I greet you today in the name and in the love of Jesus Christ. We uh, have some thoughts this morning, and we had asked that you would keep a prayer in your heart that the Lord would deliver his message to us all today. And the thoughts that um, were prevailing upon my mind, um, the theme is, how's your heart? So that's a question. How is your heart? Now, the Lord is, um, I believe, preparing us, and uh, not only today, not only this month, but throughout our lives. The, the Book of Mormon says this life is a preparatory state. You know, God, who lives not in time, but is without beginning and without end, which is a concept I can't begin to understand. But he, he created us, and he gave us this thing called time. And the Book of Mormon clearly states it's a preparatory state. It's, it actually gives us this, this span and this, this um, kind of bookends of point that we might get from point A to point B in our relationship with him. And how's your heart today? It's, the Lord is very concerned about the state of our heart, not necessarily our uh, beating heart that circulates blood, which he created, certainly amazing, amazing, uh, mind and, and thoughts of God to create our body and how it works. But the heart, the, the, the thoughts, the soul, the, the motivations. And the Lord is able in our lives today to change our hearts, to perform, as it were, surgery on our hearts. And I'm going to talk a little about that in, in some depth using the scriptures. Um, to start out, I'd, I'd like to think of the words of a song, one of the songs of Zion, and it says, and he can heal my broken heart again. And that's a, a beautiful concept in itself, just that phrase. And another line of that song says this, and he can search the hidden heart inside. And that's a little bit more of what I want to talk about, because there are things hidden in our hearts that even perhaps sometimes we're not comfortable visiting and, and seeing. And um, if we're not then the Lord isn't either. And those, those are things that without us realizing it, they can hinder our relationships with other people, and more importantly, they can hinder our relationship with God. So the heart is an important thing. There's a lot of scriptures about it and a lot of warnings about, about um, the dangers of having these things in our heart. And I'm going to turn us or point us to Matthew, the 15th chapter, the 18th to the 20th verse. And uh, it says here, Jesus talking, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And then um, almost, I don't want to say as an afterthought, but it also says this. It says, But um, to eat, to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And that's kind of an interesting thing. I don't think the Lord is telling us today not to wash our hands in the midst of this virus. But what he's saying, that first part of that 18th verse, what he's saying is there are things that we should be worried about more than washing our hands, even in the midst of this virus. And that's the state of our heart today. Another uh, scripture in the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, 14 and 15, it talks about this. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
looking diligently lest any man fail, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. So he's talking about, again, keeping ourselves in a peaceable way, pursuing holiness. He says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so the holiness of our being stems forth again from our heart, as Jesus taught earlier in Matthew. And it's, it's uh, the heart problem here is described as a root problem, the root of bitterness springing up. And I want to talk about that today. You know, we have um, root problems in our, I don't know, in our garden, in our lawn. Sometimes roots find their way into our uh, pipes in seeking. And they, they have to be, they have to be get rid, gotten rid of. Um, you know, the word eradicate literally means get to the root of, get the root out. Radish, it's a, it's a root vegetable. The radical is a symbol of square root in mathematics. So eradicate things, get to the root of it and get it out. Right now, a lot of hair salons are closed. People have other root problems, but that's a different subject. Today, I want to talk about bitterness taking root in our hearts. It's something that's going to be very difficult to get rid of the longer we let it grow there. And we can let it grow there for a long time. It says in Proverbs, the fourth chapter, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew earlier. You might have heard that verse quoted as guard your heart. And it's, it's the same idea. One of the things that God's word wants us to guard our heart against is bitterness. Again, that root of bitterness. So another chapter, another scripture, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, a beautiful chapter. And at the end of it, also, the apostle writes, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. A couple verses earlier, verse 26 and 27, say this, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. So that's, that's what bitterness can do. That's what wrath and, and unforgiven anger can do. It allows the devil to, to have a foothold in our lives. And certainly that's the last thing that we want. Now, I probably preached on this before, to be honest with you. I probably studied it. And I, I don't know if I've really allowed myself to understand or believe that a person could fully be rid of their bitterness and anger. I don't know if I ever allowed myself to believe that. But today, uh, brothers and sisters and friends, whoever's watching, today, in the name of Jesus, and by his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, I want to proclaim that not only is it possible, but in order to fully experience the redemption of the Lord, it's essential, it's imperative, it's mandatory. We cannot reach, our brother A.J. has introduced this concept of the untouched path, going to a place with the Lord that we've never gone before. We cannot reach that untouched path. We can't achieve that level of closeness and, closeness and intimacy in our relationship with the Lord unless and until we allow his blood to cleanse us 
of all these things. Completely. Another song in the Psalms of Zion. It says, he will remove every vestige of sin. A vestige is a little telltale sign of something that was there. And it says that he will remove every vestige of sin. There's another popular Christian song. It says, his blood will never lose its power. And that, not necessarily one of my favorite songs, but it came to me as I was thinking of these things, that it's so true. Jesus' blood will never lose its power. It was shed on the cross of Calvary, and it, was, it, it paid the price for our sins, even when he said it is finished. But his blood is still working in our hearts. It's, we, if we let it, if we allow it. And that's, that's the important thing I want to talk about today. You know, we've had a lot of time, um, more, seems like more time on our hands. Things have slowed down. We probably, many of us have probably gained an, an hour or two in our life because we're not driving to and from the office. Um, we're home more because we don't really have any other place to go. Um, we've had at home, we've had time to read and, and the scriptures certainly first and foremost, but other, other things. And, um, a book that I came across, actually my wife shared with me, called, there's a book called Enemies of the Heart, and it talks about four enemies of the heart, a biblical approach to things that are in our heart. And I'm not trying to sell the book today, but it just, it fit well with this, with this thought today. Um, there were four in there that he treats, guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy, things that we might not be even aware of that we're harboring. And each one of them could take a sermon. Each one of them could take a series of lessons. Today, I just want to talk about anger caused by unforgiveness. And that's the, uh, that's the one about the bitterness that I've been trying to move us toward. I'm focusing on this anger caused by unforgiveness. And uh, anger is a symptom. It's not the, pr- the problem. The problem is the unforgiveness. So let's just call it what it is. Uh, the, this author, this particular author, talks about these issues of the heart as as uh, attitudes that we have that have to do with debt. Some something is owed. Someone owes something. And without going into all of them, the one about um, anger is the attitude of "You owe me." And um, if you think about that, you know the Lord um, in His prayer, He said He taught us to say, "Forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." And I had to, uh, I had to admit when I was maybe, I don't know, seven or eight years old in Sunday school learning the Lord's Prayer. I think that's the first time I ever came across the word debt and debtors, and um, they weren't, they weren't familiar words to me. We had to find out what they meant. And when I, when I learned the definition of debt, it still didn't ring with me. Like how did, how did that fit into this prayer? But if you think about the phrase "You owe me," that's, that's what a debt is. You owe me. So um, we can have that attitude when things happen to us that are unfair, um, that hurt us, that offend us. Um, and we can spend a whole lifetime carrying an attitude of, you owe me. And that is not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us to release that and to forgive. And it's, it's probably... I think it's just part of this fallen world we live in that people have had terrible things happen to them. Terrible things. I mean, it could be you, you personally, and maybe each one of us have. 
If you read about history, the, the things that have happened associated with war and political struggles, horrible things happening to people. Things that, here's the key to it, things that have happened to us that no one, not the perpetrator, not their rich uncle, nobody could pay us for, nobody could apologize for, nobody could do anything to really make right what was wronged. So by holding on to that resentment, um, wishing for one day you would get that apology, is that going to make is that going to make something that put your life on a different course, some tragedy, some disaster, some injury that put your life on a different course, is that going to make it better, really? No, the only thing for it, brothers and sisters and friends, the only thing for it is forgiveness. The, the injury, if we hold on to it, it gives Satan an opportunity to plant those seeds of bitterness that grow and they choke our lives and they're difficult to root out, and because of unforgiveness, we carry that with us. And when this happens, you know, when things happen to us, we're not going to hear a message from the world, and we're not even going to hear it necessarily from well-meaning friends and family to tell us that we need to let go of it and forgive. We're going to find that in the Scriptures, in the Word of God. We're going to find that in the example of Jesus Christ, who on the cross of Calvary said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Later on in the book of Acts, Stephen, as he was having the stones thrown upon him, his very last words were to the Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. A heart of forgiveness, a heart of being able to not even let the seed of bitterness sprout in our lives and take root. To stay free of that. It's, it's like staying free of debt. It's like the, the minute the bill comes in the mail, you write the check and send it out. It's not like you need to wait the month till the due date. You just take care of it. You keep it short. And that's what the Lord wants us to do with these hurts and afflictions. It's, is there pain? Is there anger? Yes. And he's, he even says this, be angry and sin not. But we still have to let go of it. We can't hold on to it. And I want to talk to, to you about an example in the scriptures of someone who did not let that root of bitterness grow. This person was able to forgive, and because of that, he was able to stand fast in the liberty wherewith he was made free. And we should take this as an example in our lives. It's the story of Joseph, found in Genesis chapters 37 through 50. I'm certainly not going to read that today, but I would encourage you to take the time to do, do that. It's not going to take all day. It, it can get through it probably a half an hour, an hour at the most. I have to tell you, I cannot read this in the Bible without weeping at some point. As I read the heart of Joseph and, and the beautiful outcome of the story, and it has so much significance to us as we see Joseph as a type not only of Christ in our salvation, but a type in the, in the, with the book, coming forth of the Book of Mormon and the restoration and the hopes that we have of seeing that type and shadow of Joseph and his brothers brought to fruition in the latter days with the tribes and with Israel being restored. It's so exciting. And as we read the story of Joseph, at least for myself, I can't help but think about that. And it just thrills my soul. And I think, again, without going into the whole story, I think you're familiar enough with Joseph to remember the terrible injustice that was done to him by his brothers. You know, they were 
they were driven by jealousy. It might not have been right of Jacob, of Israel, to treat Joseph with such favoritism. But that jealousy in his brothers drove them to actually hate him, it says in the scripture. They seized an opportunity when everybody was away from home. They sold him into slavery. They thought they were going to get rid of him once and for all. Um, He was that much of a bother to them. And then they had to go back to their father and lie to him about that Joseph was found, or his coat was found, bloodied by a beast. And they had to live that lie. Think about it. They had to live that lie for decades. Just, you know, all all 11 of them, or, or 10 of them, I'm not sure if Benjamin was old enough, but they had to just, they had to collude with each other and agree that they were going to live this falsehood for years and years and years until Jacob went to his grave as far as they were concerned. And if you read, you know, again, if you read this story, if you, the, the 37th chapter talks about Joseph and, you know, even the fact that they took him and sold him into slavery. The 38th chapter is kind of like, um, in the meantime, this is what happened to Jacob's 10 sons and, and the family while Joseph was in Egypt. And it's bad. I mean, they were, they did, they made some mistakes. They, they were reckless. They were certainly not serving the Lord in their activities and their actions. And that's perhaps the price that they paid for this lie that they, the sin they committed and this lie that they lived. But Joseph in the meantime, and that's what I want to get to today, did he hold on to that? Did he First of all, do you think he had reason to be angry? Yes. I mean, there's no justification for what they did. And it would be understandable to me, it would be understandable if Joseph allowed a root of bitterness to take hold in his heart. Um, he said, he, he could have said, you owe me for the rest of his life about what happened to him with his brothers. Um, and that would have, I think that would have colored his life. That would have shaded his life. But instead what we see At the very end, we see forgiveness. We see reconciliation. But in the meantime, in the years in between, we see it said again and again and again, the Lord was with Joseph. Now, how and why would the Lord be with Joseph if he was harboring this this deep resentment and anger and unforgiveness for his brothers? I'm not sure that would happen. And so I, I was caused, as I was thinking about this story, I was caused to think, of a question that I don't know if I've ever heard asked, and I don't know if I've ever asked the question myself. But the question today is, when did Joseph forgive his brothers? At what point in the story, or what point in Joseph's life, did he forgive his brothers? Now, it's not written in the scripture in a sentence, and, you know, therefore, or it came to pass, Joseph forgave his brothers at this point. It doesn't say that. But I want to, I would... I guess in my, I don't want to say it's an opinion, but it's, I think it's my conclusion, drawing on the evidence, the fruit of Joseph's life, that although he might have been angry for a time, I don't think, at least figuratively, figuratively speaking, I don't think that he allowed the sun to go down on his wrath. And I, I say figuratively because I don't know if it necessarily was the very first day or the very first night that he forgave. But again, going back to that idea of debt, he didn't let it. He didn't let the I o, that you owe me stay with him for too long. And I just again, I want to just talk a little bit about. Let's suppose the opposite is true. P- perhaps suppose that he did allow 
himself to harbor resentment and unforgiveness and anger in his heart for what his brothers did. Do you think if that was the case, we would read the Lord was with Joseph again and again? Think about it. He prospered in all that he did in the house of Potiphar and again in the prison and again as he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and was raised up to be second in Egypt. Do you think if Joseph had been carrying in his heart an attitude of you owe me, the Lord would have been able to prosper him that way? Do you think he would have possessed the spiritual resolve and fortitude to resist the temptation he was confronted with by Potiphar's wife? A person that has that kind of resentment and attitude is vulnerable to temptation and sin. And that's another important reason for us today, brothers and sisters and friends, important reason for us to keep ourselves free of anger, of resentment, of unforgiveness. I think Joseph's close relationship with God was the result of him keeping his heart with all diligence, as we read in Proverbs. Not just from the temptation of Potiphar's wife, but I'm talking about the temptation to not forgive, to hold on to feelings of anger and resentment toward his brothers. I guess, I, I guess part of the reason this message came to me is of self-searching that, that I've done, even um, in this time that we're kind of, our lifestyle's a little bit different right now. Um, this morning, earlier, we listened to our brother Jerry Valenti uh, broadcast from Hope Lawn, and he talked about um, encouraging the saints and encouraging all of us to take advantage of this time and to do some self-reflection, do some reading, and do some meditation of how perhaps we can improve our spiritual lives. And again, I've been doing some of that, and I kind of had to um, look at the fact that there was some unfinished work in my life that had to do with some of this that we're talking about today. I like what it says in Philippians, uh, the first chapter, the sixth verse, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase. It says, He that hath begun a good work in me, although he, he says you, um, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the Lord is not finished with me yet. He's doing a good work in me. And I, I'm confident of that very thing, as, as it says in Philippians. Um, the only way that we can forgive sometimes is with the Lord's help. We don't always have the um, opportunity to confront the person that might have done the injustice. And again, like I said before, even if we had that opportunity, is, is that apology going to make things all better? I don't think that's the case. We just need to release the thought and the attitude of being owed by anybody. Um, if you think about instead how much the Lord has forgiven you or me, I've got to say for myself, how much I owe him, the other debt is nothing in comparison. And we think of the scripture and Jesus, Jesus' lesson about the 10,000 talents being forgiven and then that man going after somebody who owed him 100 and how the Lord was not pleased, not pleased at, at that at all. I'm just going to uh, wrap up here shortly, but um, I kind of wanted to bring something to everybody's attention with regard to this seed of bitterness and this root. You know, we talk about the age of accountability sometimes with regard to children. How old is a child when they're capable of 
right and wrong or sin or, or not. Um, and again, this morning, I don't have a number. I don't think there's any one age that applies to all children across the board. But I, I do know this, and I, I wouldn't want any of us to underestimate the fact that a child's heart can be wounded deeply at a very young age. Um, call it accountability or not, it can be wounded. And Satan would like nothing more than to give those seeds of bitterness an entire lifetime in somebody's heart to grow. So this is just some counsel, I suppose, I might say to you who are parents or are going to be parents at some time in the future. Um, I would just ask you to be diligent in keeping your children's hearts before they're at an age where they can do that themselves. Keep their hearts, guard them, and be mindful of the hurts and injuries that they experience. Um, and sometimes we might see we might see their bruised knee and their um, scraped elbow. Sometimes we might know that and take care of that. But these are I'm talking about things that are inside the heart. Um, I would say, you know, find out in a quiet time with them. Ask them how their heart is. Ask them how if there's anything that's hurt them or disappointed them or betrayed them. And honestly, be prepared. Children are so honest. Be prepared sometimes that they might tell you that you're the one who disappointed them sometimes. And, and be prepared to deal with, deal with that lovingly. Um, all they need at this point in their lives is love. Because, again, to keep that root of bitterness from taking hold. And we know that even as loving parents, we can do so much to help them in this regard and point them to Jesus because Jesus is the one who cares about all of us. He's there to love us, to wipe away our tears, no matter what our age might be. So this morning, I guess, um, looking at uh, Jeremiah where he says, is there no balm in Gilead? There is today. There is a balm, and it's Jesus Christ. It's never too late to dig out roots of bitterness. He gives us, again, he gives us a whole preparatory lifetime to take care of what needs to be taken care of. And he's got the power through his shed blood to help us to rid ourselves of these things. We just have to allow it to happen. It says that Jesus, I said it before, Jesus can search the hidden heart inside and he, he can heal your broken heart again. So how is your heart this morning? I hope it's free and open and clean and that you can enjoy a full, deep intimacy with Jesus, with our Lord Jesus and that relationship with him and thereby to love freely the world around us, to love others as ourselves or even before ourselves, uh, to have the same kind of love for others that Jesus had when, when he gave himself as a sacrifice for us on the cross of Calvary. So I pray that God would bless you with that message today. As I'm sure many of you are, you are aware, um, this would have been our general conference. I know a number of us in the room this morning had travel plans. We had expectations to be back east in Greensburg and enjoy the fellowship of the saints. Um, we're just like the rest of you. We're looking forward to the time we can meet together as a branch uh, and travel to see one another even across the country, across the church. We just so look forward to that, and we miss that. So may God bless you today. May you feel his healing love in your heart today and always. He had said. And you know, there's another interpretation um, 
there's, there's a, another interpretation of this scripture um, that, as Brother Anthony said, uh, it says, above all, guard your heart. And brothers and sisters, what I want to say today is that do you, do you place great value upon your heart? You know, today's Sunday, and in our neighborhood, it's garbage day. I, I have to put my trash out on Sunday night. Do any of you do that? Yes, you could all raise your hand virtually. You do it. I don't put a lock on those garbage cans. I don't care what happens, because they're of no worth to me. It's garbage. But brothers and sisters and friends this morning, that's not what Solomon's saying here and what God is saying, that we need to value our heart above everything else. And I'm not talking about the heart that beats, and we've got to be careful about that. I get that. But I'm talking about our spiritual heart this morning. Oh, Brother Anthony has me so stirred this morning. To me, it is the, it is the center of our, of our lives with Christ. Everything generates from the heart. All the issues of life is what the scripture says. Another scripture says it is the wellspring of our life. The wellspring. If you interpret that beautiful scripture in Hebrew, it means the wellspring of life is what our heart is. You can't stop the spring up, brothers and sisters, this morning and friends. Because then it'll cut off all the life supply to our extremities. All of the cares and issues of life that God wants to supply us with come from our heart, our spiritual heart. We don't want to contaminate, brothers and sisters and friends, the wellspring of our heart. You know, today, Brother Anthony said it in Matthew about the, the washing of hands. It's not that the Lord doesn't want us to wash hands. He wants us to place what is the most important value. You know... We have become, and I don't know when it'll change. Hey, I got news for all of us. When we are finally allowed to go back out in the public, I still think we're going to social distance. I think we're going to be concerned. The fear and the concern of, of what could hurt us is going to be real. Well, I got to tell you, Brother Austin called it out three weeks ago. We have a pandemic of sin that is ever attacking us, brothers and sisters and friends. Do we social distance from the appearance of evil that our heart might not be contaminated? Do we cleanse ourselves daily in the washing of the word, the scripture says, that we might be clean from all evil? Oh, praise the Lord by his grace and his wonder-working power through his blood that makes our heart clean. Do we recognize, brothers and sisters and friends, that what is coming out of our mouth really came from our heart? And if it isn't edifying our family, our friends, our children, our loved ones, it can affect us. It can affect even our legacy after we're gone. That all that came out of this brother's mouth and this sister's mouth was damaging things. No, I want things that come out of my mouth that would never disparage nor defile myself. That's what we want this morning. I want to tell you something this morning, brothers and sisters. The wheat, which is God's goodness, and the tares, which is evil, they grow side by side in my heart. 
because I'm a fallen creature and the sin of Adam is upon my life. If I want the weed of the good word and grace of God, my heart needs to be prepared to receive it. Or the weeds of Satan and evil will grow, brothers and sisters. That is how God ordained it. And that's why I want to call out today, I need Jesus for my heart. I want a heart transplant. When my heart is not in a good spot, Lord, cleanse it, make it new, that I might have a heart that's pleasing and is edifying to people. I don't want to carry bitterness. I want to leave you with this last little story. This week, I was, this weekend, as Anthony said, I was supposed to be visiting my family in PA, and obviously we're not there. And you know, brothers and sisters, I haven't seen my family in a while. Both Wendy's mom and mine, my wife. But on this beautiful day today, my mind goes back to my mom. Mom, if you're listening, I want you to know today I love you with all my heart. My mom had every reason in her life, being abandoned at six years old, thrust in an orphanage until she was 14, 16 years old. She had every reason to be bitter in her life. And all she suffered, as Brother Anthony called out, she suffered, till this day she suffers, the, the, the pains and the cares that that caused in her life, both physical and emotional. But my mom made a decision in her life that she was going to serve the Lord. She knew that Jesus had the answer for her problems. And when she met this glorious gospel through the medium of the church of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters and friends today, she chose to forgive and to love. I watched it as a boy, how she loved her mom and, and loved her dad until they passed, and how she loved her family. Mom, God bless you for not carrying those things in life. That's the gospel message to me this morning that was on display for me to see. Is it on display for you as well, brothers and sisters, with your family and friends and loved ones, that your heart is clean and pure? Because I want to tell you, if it's precious to you, it's that much more precious to the Lord Jesus, your heart. And so... Cleanse my heart, Lord. Guard it from every wrong, the hymn says. That the time of harvest is at hand. That all the good works, brothers and sisters and friends, of Jesus might be evident in your life. May God bless you. And may you consider these words preached today as words of life. That your heart might be cleansed even daily if it needs be by the power of the blood of Christ. May God bless you today is my prayer.